Hello, and welcome to the history of Haiti. So Haiti at the beginning of 1808 was stuck in a civil war. Haiti was split between Henri Christophe's state of Haiti, north of Port-au-Prince, and the Republic of Haiti, south of Port-au-Prince. On the eastern part of the island, which is the modern-day Dominican Republic, the French continued to have control. In the northwestern peninsula, the Republican army under the command of Lamar continued its war against Christophe. In the southwest, Gaumont and his army of cultivators were encamped in the high southern mountains. In this episode, as the Civil War continues, Pétion, the president of the Republic of Haiti, will dissolve the Senate of the Republic of Haiti. According to the Republicans' Constitution of 1806, which had begun the Civil War, power was divided between President Pétion and the Senate. The Senate had adjourned in the middle of 1807, leaving its powers in the hands of President Pétion. They returned to session around the beginning of 1808. Yes, that does mean that I was wrong when I accidentally said that it was the Senate who ordered Bonnet on one of the campaigns against Saint-Marc. You may be curious who exactly made up the Senate. The Senate was supposed to have 24 senators, but most of the senators representing districts under the control of Christophe had left the Senate. The 16 or so guys who actually made up the Senate had been elected by the Constituent Assembly that I talked about in Episode 23, Civil War. And if you will remember from episode 23, the elections for that assembly had been rigged by the powerful faction of the Coloreds of the South, colored referring to people with both black and white blood. So the Coloreds of the South were the people who controlled the Senate. And initially, Pétion had been the leader of the Coloreds of the South. They had elected him president. The Coloreds of the South were the elites of the country, and they controlled the plantations, and owned the land. They pictured themselves as oligarchs, wealthy plantation owners ruling over their country. They wanted to keep in place the plantation economy that had existed under Dessaline and Louverture, where the common people were quote-unquote cultivators, slaves in all but name. And here is where they split with Pétion. Pétion prioritized the common people and soldiers over his rich colored brethren. He talked openly about destroying the plantation economy and redistributing land to the cultivators and soldiers. And the people loved Pétion. They saw him as the hero who had defended the Republic against Henri Christophe, and he was far more popular than the Senate. Around March 1808, British abolitionists first began taking notice of Henri Christophe. They respected Henri Christophe as a leader of the black race and believed that Haiti could become a civilized black society. Christophe's officials began a correspondence with several British abolitionists. At this time, some British abolitionists came up with a scheme that Christophe would send 500 blacks to Africa to supposedly civilize the Africans, but Christophe declined to do this. This was not the end of Christophe's correspondence with the British, as I will soon be talking more about. In late 1807 and early 1808, Lamar prepared his forces in the north. Lamar decided to march east and set up his headquarters at a place called John Rebel. Lamar then sent an expeditionary force west to set up a position near port au As had happened so many times before, 
The forces in Port-au-Pay attacked this defensive position, but they were repulsed. Christophe, as he had done before, gathered his army in Port-au-Pay, about 9,000 strong, and marched to attack Lamar. Lamar split his forces, setting up multiple defensive positions. On May 1st, the two armies met. Christophe's forces tried to attack one of Lamar's positions, but they were attacked by another group of Lamar's forces and defeated. Then Lamar's cavalry attacked the cavalry which served as Christophe's personal guard, and they fled. Christophe himself was almost captured, but he had the good sense to flee his camp along with his guards. The Republicans captured Christophe's hammock. After this, Christophe's forces fled back east. So it has been a minute since I talked about the Gomon insurgency. Gomon and his insurgency were beginning to grow and spread. And as I have talked about countless times, and as I will be talking about much more when I get to Petion's land reforms and Christophe's forced labor policies, the majority of Haitians were forced to be cultivators, and most of them resented it. Many cultivators abandoned their plantations and joined Gaumont and his revolt. General Jurine was sent to contain the insurgency, but Jurine did not last very long. President Pétion went to the Grand Ans, and Jurine, who had formed a large rivalry with Pétion, resigned his position. Pétion, taking command of the forces in the Grand Ans, marched to attack Gaumont's base, but Gaumont fled before he arrived. After this, Pétion returned to Port-au-Prince. When Pétion returned to Port-au-Prince, he was greeted warmly by everyone except the Senate, who greeted him with an intentionally and incredibly provocative statement. In this statement, the Senate gives a long list of petty complaints about things that Pétion did, such as legalizing trade with Cuba and purchasing new warships. It also leveled complaints against Pétion for managing the country while they were adjourned. They literally told Pétion not to forget why they overthrew Dessalines. After this explosive address, the Senate decided to create a guard to protect the Senate. In late July, Pétion began planning yet another campaign north to capture Saint-Marc, and when Lamar in the Northwest received word of this planned campaign, he decided to attack Christophe. Lamar marched into the mountains near Port-au-Pay and besieged a relatively important fort, although besieged isn't perhaps the right word. It's more that he encamped his forces very close to it. One of the commanders of this fort began using a particularly deadly tactic against Lamar, where he would mine a tunnel under Lamar's camp and then put a stash of gunpowder at the end of the tunnel and then blow up the gunpowder and usually blow up part of Lamar's forces. This proved to be very effective against Lamar. Eventually, Christophe arrived with reinforcements and encircled Lamar. Lamar, however, noticed that Christophe had divided his forces into 18 separate positions in order to encircle him, and so Lamar attacked each of these positions, one after the other, and with numerical superiority in each of the, the smaller battles, he was able to defeat Christophe. Meanwhile, Pétion's army did not start moving north until September, but eventually, Pétion and several thousand soldiers began marching north to try to capture Saint-Marc. They attacked a garrison held by Christophe's forces at a plantation in the Artibonite River Valley, and a brutal battle ensued. 
After the Republicans won, they massacred several hundred of the forces loyal to Kristoff, despite Petion's best efforts to take prisoners. The Republicans arrived outside St. Mark in mid-October. Their plan for taking St. Mark was to have the Republican Navy bombard the city. So far, I have talked very little about the naval warfare that occurred because it has, has not had much effect on the general course of events. But throughout most of this, the Republicans and Kristoff's forces have been waging a naval war against each other in the Northwest. So far, this has mostly gone in favor of Kristoff's forces. A few naval battles occurred outside St. Mark, but Petion learned that Kristoff was sending more of his navy to St. Mark and would outnumber Petion. So Petion decided to use this as an excuse to retreat from St. Mark and return to Port-au-Prince. The real reason that Petion decided to return to Port-au-Prince was that he believed that the Senate was planning a coup against him. Most of the senators now wanted to overthrow Petion and replace him with his rival Jurine. They summoned Jurine to the capital. They continued to denounce Petion in furious terms. When Petion returned to Port-au-Prince, he was absolutely irate at the Senate, and he was backed by both the citizens of Port-au-Prince and the army. The tension between Petion and the Senate came to a head when the Senate held a meeting on December 17th, in which Jurine accused Petion of prolonging the war with Christophe, and the Senate began discussing the idea of making sweeping changes to the Republic, perhaps even changing the Constitution or replacing Petion with Jurine. Petion ordered the Senate to disperse and threatened to fire artillery at the Senate building if they met again. Petion then moved artillery in front of the Senate building. Observing this and realizing how popular Petion was compared to them, the senators, who had few armed forces, decided to disperse. After two years in effect, the Constitution of 1806 was dead. Thank you for listening.